welcome to Tea House for the Memories. I'm your host, Darren. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, saving Private Ryan. Of course, we open the film um, not, you know, in battle, as some people mistakenly say. Some people will say, oh, the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. I love that. And I'm like, really? You're like an old man <laughs> in slacks walking very slowly <laughs> with his family behind him. That's the extent. You think that's exciting? Um, Who yeah, doesn't so, love you that? Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're in, we're in Normandy, uh, indicated by the showing of the Tricolor at one point. So you're like, oh right, okay, yeah, France. Um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, we're you know at the the kind of the um, the gravesite of uh, I'm guessing a lot of the guys who were at Omaha Beach, but you know anybody who was kind of involved with the um, you know kind of the, the the battle in France. And we follow this one guy um, who is walking very slowly. Uh, dressed in some slacks and a polo shirt and a jacket and a and he's got uh, and I'm like what is this? He's got a uh, triplet granddaughters, which I was like, are, were the Ryan brothers like triplets? Is it was it were they trying to imply that it was a genetic thing? There's three very similar looking blonde girls trailing behind. <laughs> yeah, and and it looks almost like they're in part of a different party, but obviously they're close enough that they definitely are with these people. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's like, um, what I'm assuming is kind of like either a son or a son-in-law who's like kind of taking pictures, um, as they're going. And I will say this, like the, you know, the sight of like kind of the crosses, the way that they're laid, kind of the pattern they make, um, you know, it's always a very moving sight. Oh God. Um, you know, and kind of, you know, to see so many, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it, it kind of brings home the kind of, you know, the, the loss of life, um, you know, and so, you know, aside from what this person is wearing, uh, which distracted me. Obviously, seeing you know the way that the, the kind of I mean, it's it's like it's like a slow opening, but I think Spielberg is trying to kind of be respectful and kind of set a mood because obviously he knows what's coming next in the next scene. You know, he he knows things are going to get um, you know less kind of quiet. So I think it's nice that he starts with a kind of uh, a quiet opening. Yeah, I I didn't well, I didn't look up this man this actor's uh, name, but his performance I thought was really good. It really looked like he was shaken to his core and still yeah. going through it, you know, in his mind. Yeah. especially being in this place again. Yeah, yeah. His bookend scenes are I, I, like to me. I was more moved by his second scene. Mm. You know, not to jump yeah. ahead, but mm. I'm like, if you're a cold-hearted, you know, person, if you don't kind of. <laughs> take a quick pause, you know, at that scene, because it's just, it, it's so, I, mean, I hate to say powerful, but it really is, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they do that. I think they do that setup, obviously with the bookends, but they're doing a little fake out too. You know, they're trying to fake oh, yeah, you no, out. I was, yeah. Oh, I was, I'm definitely getting to that next. Okay. Yeah, the okay. Name uh, the, act, the name, the name of the actor um, playing the younger version of someone, I mean, well, he's playing the older version of the person, but his name is Harrison Young, which I love. I love the fact that ah. an actor whose name is Young to play the older version of a particular character. But yes, we get this very kind of sharp close up on his eyes uh, before we transition into the scene that, you know, everybody knows. And when we trans, well, now here's the thing. They don't do a match cut, which they do at the end. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that once we get there. But they do give you, they like kind of cut to the beach where we've got those uh, spiky things. I don't know what their technical name is. Uh, um, you know, they're there to stop the, the um, you know, the, the boats from getting up and the tanks. Right. Uh, technically speaking, they're all pointing in the wrong direction, apparently. Uh, oh. so, <laughs> so whoever set them up, set them up in the wrong We're direction. We're going to keep the tanks from uh, rolling into the ocean. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but we cut to a bunch of those on the beach. 
And then we cut to, uh, you know, the star of the show, Tom Hanks. Mm. We cut to his eyes. And yes, Spielberg is faking us out in thinking that the old man that we've just seen is the older version of Tom Hanks. Um, but he doesn't do it as a match cut. So it's not com- like later on at the end, it is a, it's a complete match cut with the eyes and everything. Um, and that shot will come up a few times. There's a few times throughout the film where he kind of focuses on someone's eyes while stuff is happening around them. Um, so we can just kind of experience the film from one kind of point of view. Um, but yeah, it is it is a little bit of a fake out. And I think obviously the first time anyone sees this film, they're like, oh, so that was old Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, I think it's funny that he does it. But at the same time, I it's really weird because, you know, watching it a second time, you then think, well, when when we're looking at this old man and he's remembering the war, is he remembering Tom Hanks's life? Like, why yeah. didn't he remember like landing where he landed as a paratrooper and then kind of like, you know, like it's really weird that he's flashing back to somebody else's life. Uh, right. <laughs> but I would say as a viewer, you kind of go with it. You're like, it doesn't really matter. Like in most films, that's breaking a very important rule. But with this film, you're like, it doesn't matter. You know, like we already know who, who is going to be saved because of the title of the film. <laughs> right. But I, <laughs> I do like the fake out because it's it's like it's really funny because when you watch it a second time you're like this what's why are we uh, but then obviously you know the scene starts and and you forget about any of that like you're instantly kind of uh, you know at the landing um, with a lot of throwing up which <laughs> apparent apparently some of the extras they they did get seasick and they did just start throwing up oh wow obviously, the ones that are on camera are staged but some of the other guys in some of the other boats apparently were throwing up and steven spielberg was like just go with it like yeah. people are throwing up he's like i'm not gonna that stop would be it. me that would totally yeah. be me uh yeah <laughs> i feel for him I, I love the way this is shot um it's, we're just staying in the boats. We're not seeing anything around them. Like that first shot of the beach we see, it's kind of calm when you see the boats approaching. But the rest of the time, we're in the boats. We have no idea what's coming. There's some amazing sound design. Like I was wearing my AirPods for this uh, and just totally immersed. Like, oh, I'm in the boat. I feel sick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, the, like the true, the, you know, the true story is when this happened most people didn't get off the boats. Like, you know, there's a moment like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes from now where, you know, Tom Hanks is like, is this everybody that made it? <laughs> and that was, that was how it went down. Like people were just getting like taken apart. Yeah. Um, in this opening scene, there's three, there's actually three points of view. There is Tom Hanks's point of view. There is the German gunner's point of view. And then there's like a, a kind of a wondering camera that kind of just captures, you know, some of the other, some of the action. Right. Um, so obviously we're starting with Tom Hanks, but we will start cutting to the Germans pretty quickly so we can see, um, you know, who they're killing. I like the, all the different ways that they show how these guys didn't make it off the boat. It's not just the machine guns. It's them catching on fire. It's them drowning. Drowning. You know, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah, that like I mean, what I like is um, you know obviously we're we're joining you know Captain John H Miller, and he says to everyone you know clear those murder holes, which is probably my favorite thing in the entire world. I'd forgotten that he, that was one of the phrases he said, but murder hole is such a great. Obviously, he's talking about the turret <laughs> and some of the kind of surrounding areas, but just calling them murder holes just makes it so perfect. But yeah, the first thing we see is soldiers just basically drowning because the equipment's too heavy. Like they've yeah. all got these gigantic packs. They're all trying to take them off underwater. 
Um, again, he's shot underwater, which I'm sure, as we're all aware, due to Mythbusters, not a thing that happens. Once a bullet hits the surface, it stops. So if you're underwater, you're actually quite safe if people are shooting. Um, I'll remember so that. So the velocity of a bullet kind of slows down almost as soon as it hits the water. So the, I mean, it looks great underwater with these guys getting red shooting out of them and everything, but... Mm. Um, yeah, obviously in this opening sequence, every single bullet is CG. There's not a single, and they also did this really clever thing with the guns, where they set up uh, infrared pointers, and they set squibs that would go off when the pointer touched them. So wow. some of the guys are oh, pointing cool. their guns, and they're they're pulling a trigger that sets off a little infrared light, like on a remote control, and then the squib goes off because it's it's in the correct line of sight. So there's which you know. And then, and then all the bullets are put in CGI afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, I I actually um, notes noted that throughout a lot of this movie, uh, except for you know certain scenes which involve you know Nazis and Germans, uh, they're faceless. Like we don't see them. Like we we're coming from the point of view of uh, the Americans, where you know they're just this faceless evil that's out there and we'll shoot them with, with no regard you know yeah and I, I think it's interesting i mean you know I, I it feels like we're not telling anyone anything new with the fact that there were about 30 extras who were amputees and obviously they were given prosthetic limbs and then those prosthetic limbs were shot off so that they could you know then become you know injured soldiers um the guy who's wandering around looking for his arm Oh my gosh! Uh, an amputee. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good scene. Like I, I forgot about oh, that when yeah. I was watching it, and I also forgot about the part where you just see the guy's guts just hanging out. And I was going to show my daughter, and she walked in, and she's like, "Yeah, I didn't really see it, but I'm glad." I, she goes, "I saw something," because she like watched the Patriot, and she was like, "Well, it's gory, but it's not that bad." And then she was like, "Yeah, no, I'm, I can't watch this." <laughs> so I, I totally forgot about how gory it gets. I'm like, "Yeah, uh, nope." <laughs> Yeah, I I don't yeah. mean to make um, this sound as as tasteless as it might sound, but I'm, you know, we wa- I watched this in October, and amongst many horror movies, and throughout this D Day scene, like there are a lot of like really kind of epic kills <laughs> that you're like, oh yeah, my god, yeah. like just completely memorable. The guy that gets hit in the the helmet with the bullet and he takes it off, he's like, you lucky bastard, and then all of a sudden it gets shot, yeah, and boom. <laughs> Just yeah. you're like I'm not Landis supposed Moore's, to laugh here. <laughs> yeah, and then Landis Moore sets are singing ironic. You know? <laughs> I mean, I would say here's the thing, Robin. I would say there is meant to be a kind of element of dark humor in here because mm-hmm. you know, like we say, there are you know, there's a guy wandering around looking for his arm, trying to put it back on. There's people kind of like hopping about. Uh, like you say, that guy kind of gets hit in the the helmet and he's kind of lucky, and then he takes it off and gets shot in the face again, like. There's there's a little bits that, that obviously Spielberg is putting here to convey like you know the horror of it, but also it feels like there are a few little kind of touches, you know, particularly once you know, um, as as they kind of actually they get further and further, like the medics are trying to treat people who yes. are basically oh, yeah. in pieces, and the medics then start getting shot, yeah. and it's like and. And, 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 and it's like, <laughs> why are you trying to treat these people? We haven't even secured the beach yet. Yeah. Secure the beach. Yeah, there's then the there's the me. one guy he's they're they're treating and then he gets shot. <laughs> like, we stop like, oh, bleeding. Save him. And it, yeah. <laughs> and it, that now that is like quote unquote funny. I guess like you said that dark humor, but I think that's just the chaos of war, especially at that in at that, you know, any landing of that magnitude. It just was mass chaos, and and I think that just highlights just 
it's dumb luck if you survive, really. And there, there are a lot of... I mean, I put it in my notes, just lots of screaming guys. There are lots of... There's, there's guys that are mostly crying for their mom. Yeah. And then there's also just guys who are just screaming in pain because half of them is missing. Yeah. Um, you know, and once they finally kind of, they kind of get up to the kind of the beach, uh, they get further up, they're kind of underneath where the turret is and where some of the kind of the smaller little kind of machine gun um, turrets are. And, you know, the, uh, like, you know, obviously Captain Miller is trying to communicate to people that the beach is not safe and there's no point sending, you know, like more boats in. And he's talking to the comms guy, and then he's like, he's oh literally God. saying to him to tell him what to do. And then the comms guy kind of goes out of shot, and then he kind of he goes to grab the comms guy, and we see the comms guy's just missing his face. Yeah. And and then also he like he picks up this kind of you know like the 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 phone, and he's trying to kind of call, and then he sees that it's got bullet holes on it, yeah. and basically they've got no communication. <laughs> and like I say, I think that's kind of that's like a little bit of kind of dark humor, like the fact that like this comms guy is like really kind of like talking with you think he's going to be a character, like he's yeah, talking right. with Captain Miller and he's discussing stuff, and then thir- thirty seconds later he's dead. Mm. Um. And so, yeah, it's and it's just it's kind of amazing, um, you know. And then, you know, obviously they like they then do the most logical thing, which is they pick up all the ammo off the the people who've died. You know, like there's a bunch of soldiers. It's funny because there's one who's like just shot, and he's just lying there, and they just come and pick his gun up and take his ammo, and he's just like, huh, like you know, left like kind of defenseless basically. Yeah. Uh, but he's in a pile of dead bodies, so I think he's okay. Um, no one else is going to shoot him again. I wouldn't. Well, I I think they thought he was there to give him aid, and they just took his ammo and left. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know they gather the ammo. They're kind of like trying to you know they what they've got to try and do is disable this um, you know this turret, which we've seen from the inside. We've seen you know the kind of the the, the point of view of effectively the Nazis shooting at these people um, and picking them off like very efficiently. Like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird because like seeing it from their point of view, it's just literally like you know, just literally taking people out one after the other yeah. without even yeah. stopping. Literally um, fish in a barrel. Yeah. I mean, they're just, yeah. They, they, yeah, they, even, they even make a comment about if we stay, like they were stay, they were behind the metal girders. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm acting it out like they can hear us. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> like, but it's like the metal girders are to allow the, you know, to prevent the tanks from coming onto the beach. And one of the guys like, well, we're safe here. And Hanks even calls it out. He's like, they got us dialed in. So where they are, this whole line of, uh, you know, line of sight is covered and they're just going to get blown, you know, blown to pieces if they stay there. That's why they had to keep moving forward. Not not to mention their mission was to actually, you know, to take the beach. You can't take the beach if you're hanging out on the, in the water still. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We do start to see obviously some of them, you know, the people who will become familiar faces uh, as we, as we get closer to them taking out this, uh, this turret. Um, they call for some bangalores. I'm not quite sure what those are. I think they're like, uh, I don't know, they look like grenade launchers Yeah, you throw them, I think. Um, uh, they're th- grenades yeah. with a stick on the end, I think, yeah. Uh, apparently, there, somebody criticized the film saying that's not realistic, and then a veteran literally from Omaha Beach said, no, that's what we did. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Fact-checked straight away. Um, yep. I should say as well, um, after seeing the film, uh, James Doohan, better known for being Scotty on Star Trek, who was a veteran of Omaha Beach, that's where he lost his finger, mm. um, he said, you know, it was extremely realistic and it was kind of, you know, harrowing. Uh, and, I bet. you know, he, he kind of, yeah, he like he said to Stephen, he said, you know, that it's, it was an amazing sequence and, you know, it kind of put him back there. Um, when the film was released, there was also a hotline for veterans uh, who saw the film. If they felt kind of like traumatized by it, they could kind of call for... Uh, therapy and stuff so 
you know, they took that into consideration. Um, but yeah, so uh, we get to meet our sniper, uh, played by uh, Barry Pepper, is it? Who's yep. playing the sniper? Yep. Yeah. Jackson. Um, and yeah, he is awesome. going to be the one who's going to help them break through. Yeah. Oh, no, I love Barry Pepper in this. I love Barry Pepper in 25th Hour as well, but <laughs> completely different type of role. But uh, yeah, Barry Pepper is great. Obviously, Barry Pepper, a well-known kind of veteran of indie films before this. Uh, uh, and I mean, his career hasn't been fantastic since, but... You know he's great in this film. What Battlefield um, he's Earth? He's doing a lot of yeah. Hit a hit a wall with <laughs> Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean he's doing a lot of kissing the crucifix. Like he's constantly got this cross that he keeps kissing, and obviously he's very religious, and he he somehow thinks that God has decided that he should be a sniper and kill people. Mm. Uh, you know whatever helps you sleep, uh, Jackson. You know so uh, badass though. <laughs> <laughs> He is the one who kind of helps them break through because he manages, like, they give him some covering fire and he manages to shoot out a couple of the turrets um, and it gets them close enough that they can throw a grenade into the bunker. Um, and, of course, they, I mean, I can't remember who says the line, but someone's like, don't shoot them. <laughs> like, <laughs> let them burn. Yeah, I think it was just um, some rando on the, uh, you know, on the beach and they were they said exactly yeah. that, like, let them burn. It's like, don't waste the ammo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are some Nazis who are jumping out of bunkers on fire. Um, and then obviously they also bring in a guy with a flamethrower and he uh, flamethrowers in there as well <laughs> to set yep. the whole thing on fire just to make sure just to, um, you know, and then we get a little bit of um, I, I, I mean, again, again, like the I guess you could call it dark humor, but there are two Czech soldiers who in Czech say we're not German. We haven't killed anyone and they get shot for their troubles. <laughs> Uh, as they are surrendering um and yeah so i mean <clears throat> i guess if you're a if you're a native czech speaker you can un you can understand that they're saying don't shoot us we're not german uh but obviously the americans don't understand that um and you know by the time we get to 25 minutes into this film they've kind of got control of the beach and you know uh, vin diesel finds a uh, hitler youth <laughs> knife which he gives to uh adam goldberg uh again uh you know, darlings of the indie. Adam Goldberg, of course, was in uh, Days of Confused, mm, yep. um, which, uh, you know, I love that film. And he was also uh, on the TV show Friends, yeah. where he played the roommate <laughs> that uh, replaced Joey for like four a, episodes. Yeah, it was like psychotic, and he was great. He's yeah. great in that, too. I, just, I actually just rewatched that, and I was thinking about that the whole time. I mean, he's so cool as as like a fed up veteran you know like a combat veteran you could just tell he's been through the paces in this in this you know movie and that i just i always think of him as the dork or the nerd in uh in days and confused and of course you know the, the crazy guy in friends he's, he's a pretty good actor <laughs> yeah um and now uh private uh, mellish uh, as played by adam goldberg emphasizes at every turn that he is jewish yeah. Um, you know, and it I, I mean, it becomes like a bit of a running gag almost that like whenever he sees any Germans, he makes it clear that he's Jewish. He keeps saying to them, Juden, Juden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and kind of really, you know, he makes jokes about his rabbi and like, I, I mean, it's like it's really weird because it's like a very kind of like um, kind of like Catskills, like stand up thing that he's got going on. <laughs> uh, but Adam Goldberg is I mean, he's wonderful in this. I just I, I yeah. like I really like love what he's doing with it. Um, you know, we also meet um, uh, Giovanna Ribisi playing uh, Wade, the medic. Um, Another Friends uh, alumni. Yes. Uh, yeah. Phoebe's brother. <laughs> uh, but also um, he his sister was in Days of Confused with Adam Goldberg, uh, oh. Marissa Ribisi. 
and she is married to Beck, uh, <laughs> the singer. Um, so yeah, um, and obviously he was in that thing you do. So he's worked with Tom Hanks before, uh, where he played the drummer uh, Chad, who was uh, jumping over some parking meters and he broke his arm, and <laughs> so um, he missed out on being in the band. Uh, but you know he got to work at the electrical store, so you know swings and roundabouts. Um, but yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> what I like here is we are gradually seeing the various kind of different members of the team. You know, we've met Vin Diesel, we've met Adam Goldberg, we've met Barry Pepper, we've met Giovanna Ravisi. Um, they are kind of like the backbone of the of the squad that we're about to find. And Tom Sizemore is uh, is there, and he he uh, puts some dirt into a little can, um, and we see that he's been to many different battlefields. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, this is a thing that he does. Uh, he will be uh, Sergeant Mike Horvath. He's basically the number two uh, to John Miller when they when they get going. Um, and Tom Sizemore at this particular time was addicted to some drugs. And um, <laughs> Steven Spielberg said to him, uh, I think we're going to have to have you take a drug test every single day. <laughs> and if you fail it, uh, we will fire you and we'll recast the part and we will reshoot every single scene that you've been in. <laughs> and... I mean, judging by the fact that Tom Sizemore is in the film, obviously he stayed sober. For yeah. You know, he yeah. he's one of those guys that I like him when I see him, but he he can be over the top and kind of overact at times. And he's yeah. just, he's amazing in this movie. He plays, you know, he's more or less the Sergeant Major, you know, the the kind of the guy that, that yeah. you know, the or I would call him like the gunnery sergeant kind of, um, uh, you know, he's the platoon sergeant. So he's a guy, the he's kind of the highest enlisted man. We, you know, where um, uh, Tom Hanks is the captain, he's the officer. And, you know, he's the guy with experience, and he just plays that role so well. Like, <laughs> especially, uh, he's got a little monologue at the end, too, where I, I just, I like what he, you know, Tom, what Tom Sizemore is doing with this role. He's gruff, yeah. he's tough, but he's got a sense of honor. Um, and he's just a darn good actor in this movie, you know, in particular. Oh yeah, and and I mean, obviously, coming off the the fact that he's 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 been in you know uh, war movies before this, he was in Born on Fourth of July, so um, you know, he, and later on he'll be in Black Hawk Down and Pearl Harbor, so you know, swings and roundabouts on exactly the quality of films that he does. So Black Hawk Down's another good one, but he he just doesn't he wasn't the same in that as he is in this, like. You can oh, tell no, no, a difference no. by that time, you know. He 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 gave it his all in this movie. I mean, I think obviously Spielberg keeping him sober probably and giving him that motivation probably kind of came across on screen. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, you know, of course, before this he was in Natural Born Killers, um, uh, and I think Strange Days was the year before, and Heat as well. I mean, he had a good run yeah. coming into this coming into this film. So it's obviously you know that's obviously why he was uh, kind of cast in this role. Um, but yeah, so you know we're gradually meeting everybody. Um, and we get a close-up at about, I don't know, 26 minutes where we get a close-up on just Tom Hanks's eyes. Again, I think this is meant to fake us out, but it's also a kind of a moment of him kind of, um, you know, kind of in the kind of being quiet and kind of trying to survey what's going on and figure out what the next move is, um, you know. And at this point, we get the premise of the film. We're like half an hour in. <laughs> and, and we, we jump back to the States you say we get the the premise of the movie, but I thought it was maybe another bit of dark humor. This movie is called Saving Private Ryan, and the whole beach thing ends with bodies rush, washing ashore. The ocean is red with blood, and on the beach is a dead soldier, and you see on his backpack it says Ryan. And it's like, well, 
I guess I guess they didn't do it. <laughs> Mission failed. Yeah. Movie over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short story. <laughs> it I, I, does it say Ryan S because it is it is it S right, I can't remember the names of the brothers but what right. that is one of the brothers basically and that's yeah that's what takes us back to the death letter typing pool <laughs> where you have all these women that are just typing up all the letters and we hear you know the, the like the kind of the sentiments from um, you know the, the obviously the people who served with them you know saying that you know he did his duty he was patriotic to the end and you know I mean it's really weird because in a way. Like, I don't know, with a different director, this would feel almost like satire. Like, the fact that you have this gigantic area that's just typing letters constantly, telling everybody how great all these people were as soldiers, when, you know, we've just seen some of them basically just throw up in a boat and then step off onto the beach and get shot in the head. You know, they basically didn't even do anything. And yet they're all getting these kind of glowing letters sent out. Um, and obviously one of the women recognises uh, the surnames of a couple of the letters and then she goes to a different desk and she finds a third letter um, and then she kind of takes them to the, the person who's kind of managing this office, which quite frankly uh, seems like a cushy gig. You know, if you're in the military and you have just got to stay home and supervise people sending out letters, uh, you know, to, to parents and stuff. Um, and then obviously he takes it to <laughs> George C. Marshall. Um played by half presnell um uh you know the i, I don't know it's, I, I what i find is weird is this is just like um you know like you know he's like the the kind of i don't know i mean i remember him in fargo like being really funny as like the the father who just doesn't want to give his son-in-law any kind of slack <laughs> um but he it's really weird that like this like that the kind of plot of it the kind of plot of the film i don't know i mean i wouldn't say it's inelegant but it's kind of like someone being like look three guys have died they're all from the same family all three of these letters are about to arrive at the doorstep of the same mother and it's basically going to devastate her but there's a fourth brother you know and it, it kind of this is where we kind of hear about this letter that abraham lincoln sent to this woman who like lost five sons uh, although she didn't she only lost two <laughs> one of them one of them went a well and the other two survived so you know, but like we get this idea that there is, you know, the that like a, a like a family losing all of their sons to war is somehow the worst thing, um, you know, and you kind of have to grant it for the premise of the film, um, but you know, I I, I you know I it, it's kind of I don't know it it kind of feels like classic Spielberg, you know, like it is kind of a bit sentimental and it's kind of like you know the kind of seriousness of oh you know like this woman can't lose a fourth son so we've got to find him. Um, but then also the whole kind of like we don't know where he is, <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, we can't we can't get him back because we we ain't got a clue where he is. So like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try and find him first before we can save him. So now they have a good um, excuse in this film why they can't find him, why they don't know where it is. They were you know mounting one of the most massive invasions, <laughs> you know during yeah. a you know an epic world war. But yeah, that's that is military efficiency there for you. <laughs> they wouldn't know where he is during peacetime, probably either. <laughs> Did we mention yeah. uh, that uh, we have Brian Cranston in the scene too? He's the one that brings yeah. the list. Yes, yeah, Brian Cranston is the is the guy in charge. Uh, he obviously was also in that thing you do, playing Gus Grissom, um, very briefly. So yeah, so he's obviously worked with. Um, uh, with with Tom Hanks before, I'm guessing that's probably why he got this kind of cameo here. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he's he's only in this one scene, and he's you know, he's he's basically just there to deliver kind of like the exposition of like these three guys have died, and we've got to find the fourth one. Playing a one armed uh, soldier, actually. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, you know, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's why he's in charge of all the letters rather than uh, yeah landing on the beach. Um, but yeah, uh, and obviously now we know we kind of know what the mission is, but we jump back to Omaha Beach because uh, the guys are on the beach don't know the mission yet, um, and uh, we kind of like we, we we find out that you know obviously um, John Miller is going to be put in charge of this. He calls it a PR exercise, <laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> you know, so he it's funny because before before he puts together the team, he kind of has a bit of contempt for the mission, but once the mission goes, like. He he's he's the captain and that's it. Like that's this is the mission. Like he's not going to contradict it once it gets going. Uh, but we get introduced here to indie darling Jeremy Davis, <laughs> who is a translator. Um, you know the, the guys that would do the translating for um, you know Tom Hanks. Normally they've both been killed. Uh, he had a French one. And he had a German one. They're dead. So <laughs> he needs somebody who can do French and German. He goes up to the kind of the, 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 the this little thing and he's like, you know, who who here can do French and German? And obviously uh, Jeremy Davis stands up. Uh, Jeremy Davis, I first saw, of course, in the indie film Spanking the Monkey, uh, directed by David <laughs> O. Russell. Um, uh, where, I mean, I'm not going to get into the premise of what that film is. I mean, it, it I can was assume. fairly notorious at the time. But yeah, so Jeremy Jeremy Davis uh, is is Timothy Upham. He's the he's the it's weird because I think for parts of this film, um he becomes the central character like he's he's the one whose perspective we kind of follow um you know because he's he basically hasn't fired a gun he tries to take his typewriter with him which <laughs> given tom hanks's love of typewriters um i would have expected him to be like yeah bring the typewriter i love typewriters <laughs> uh, but unfortunately in character he hates typewriters and he i like when he's like can i bring my typewriter and he just holds up a pencil and he's like <laughs> yeah you know. i mean the fact that he wanted to bring that i mean lug it around it's just insane yeah <laughs> you know i'm what is so they mentioned he's like a map reader or a map maker or something like that but i just always yeah. took him as like an s1 admin guy you know just general admin clerk who's on Omaha Beach, <laughs> and he got he got um, pressed into infantry service. I mean, I I think it, like he speaks two languages. Well, he speaks three languages because he speaks English as well. <laughs> um, so obviously, I you know that's that's his you know the fact that he speaks German I think is the thing that kind of um, you know is what gets him on the team. Um, you know, so we have our team being put together. Uh, we've got Mellish. Uh, obviously, as we said, played by Adam Goldberg. We've got uh, Daniel Jackson, played by Barry Pepper. Uh, we've already met Erwin Wade, played by Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, we've now got ourselves Timothy Upham, played by Jeremy Davis. Uh, and obviously, Mike Horvath is going to be second in command of this little unit. And joining them is uh, Ryben, played by indie darling <laughs> Ed Burns. Um, and yeah. I mean, it feels like I'm overusing that phrase, but he is literally like the most indie out of all of these guys. Like, you know, this this crew has got five directors, five film directors in a crew of eight. That's, uh, you know, it's a lot of people to be kind of bringing along. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, this kind of I, I don't know, like Ed Burns, I think he's most well known for Brothers McMullen, which came out like the year before this. Um, and was like a really low budget film, made a ton of money. Um, and then, you know, after that, he kind of um, he did some kind of like um, 
Um, uh, he did like She's the One with uh, Jennifer Aniston, I think, was it? Um, yeah. Diaz. Yeah, like kind of, he did some kind of rom-coms and stuff, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, and then he kind of, you know, he's kind of bounced between directing stuff. Um, and a lot of it had been like very low budget, kind of like, I, even one would say micro budget, like stuff that's like, you know, $20,000, $60,000 films, you know, like really small budget stuff with like kind of friends. Um, I would say really like kind of the only film that I've ever really seen him in properly was uh, 27 Dresses. Um where he kind of plays the almost love interest of uh, Catherine Heigl. Um, and he did a good, they, uh, pre- pretty good movie with, um, what's his name? Robert De Niro, where he was like, okay, it was like uh, these couple arsonists. Um, geez, I, I'm trying to look it up and I, I, I can't even think 15, of what it came 15 out. minutes? Is that what yeah, you're yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's it's that's a good movie. And between this movie and that, I'm always like, why wasn't he a bigger like star? I know he, I know he does the indie stuff, and I know Twenty Seven yeah. Dresses is one of those you know popular rom coms. But I always just thought he kind of had leading man material, and was always surprised yeah. that he 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 wasn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, I saw Fifteen Minutes at the cinema. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's an enjoyable film. Um, I also, I mean, I, I, he's also in the film called Confidence, uh, which is like a, that was a good one. Which is like a, yeah, it's like a, it's like a low, it's like a, I don't know, it's almost like a kind of David Mamety type film, but it's not David Mamet. Um, you know, it's directed by James Foley, who um, directed uh, Fear, the Mark Wahlberg vehicle, um, and also directed Glengarry Glen Ross. That is what you call a varied career. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. <laughs> Ed, Ed Burns is kind of the last person that we really meet. Um, you know, we kind of have met everybody else before that point, but he just kind of turns up and then he's like, you know, you know, Captain Miller is like, this is it. We're going, we've got to go find Private Ryan. And, and obviously a lot of the guys are like grouching about it. Um, and then, you know, as, as they start out uh, into the fields of France, um, we see that, you know, uh, most of the guys aren't being friendly to Upham. <laughs> like, he keeps he keeps like trying to talk to like Mellish and Carpazo and Wade and they're just like they're just not talking to him. Although this does bring up the first thing of like um ask Captain Miller what he did back home. Like that being yeah. like a, a kind of a little running gag that will kinda of go on for like the next kind of like hour where people yeah. don't know what he did when he was, you know, back home when he wasn't a soldier. Um, you know. Uh, and this quickly transitions into um it raining. Uh, which if you live, you know, anywhere in kind of Northern Europe, you're familiar with the idea that just it will suddenly start raining. Like, mm. out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it's raining. Um, and I like that they then, of course, they kind of meet up with uh, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the least likely soldier, I think, that I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. I don't think Paul Giamatti... I mean, I love Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti is like probably one of my top ten um, actors. I just love him in everything. He's great. But I just he just doesn't have the same look as all the other guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing he was drafted. I'm guessing that, you know, Sergeant William Hill was drafted like he like he just doesn't fit with the like all these other guys who, you know, they look like they kind of belong. You know, even even like Jeremy Davis is like, you know, he, he, like he still kind of looks like a soldier. Yeah, you know, I Giamato, like his accent just doesn't feel like. <laughs> 1944 to me i don't know i think he's great as like a put upon sergeant like ah <laughs> just the everyman kind of like uh, yeah we got this and, and although he's not playing it for laughs i mean he's just 
he, oh, no, but no, he no. does remind me of of um, Don Rickles in in the Clint Eastwood movie. Um, oh, oh, come on, the one where they rob the Germans of the gold. Um, Kelly's Heroes. Uh, Don okay. Don Rickles, you would not think would be a soldier. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's far too old to be in the army at that point. But I mean, Paul Giamatti kind of is that kind of character, I think. Although uh, Don Rickles was played for a little bit more for laughs. Um, but, but I like yeah. Paul Giamatti in this. I thought he was a, a good addition. I would be Paul Giamatti if I was drafted into World War II. Just him running around going, I got ankles like an old lady. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. I'd hate all that crouching. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, the village that they run up in, um, they do a thing which... I mean, it's really weird because obviously seeing it, like seeing it, you know, 20 something years ago, I didn't even really kind of um, figure this out. But this whole thunder and flash thing, um, which is meant to like, it's meant to figure out if someone is German, because obviously, you know, a lot of Germans speak very good English. Uh, I've had I've had a a German guest on this podcast. He's a very nice guy. Um, But obviously there are certain sounds that Germans can't say because the sound doesn't exist in the in the German language. And apparently the TH, so the kind of the thunder and flash, uh, they do it the wrong way around apparently as well. Like you're meant you're meant to say flash and then the reply is meant to be thunder. Mm. But they keep saying thunder and then getting the reply flash. Yeah. Uh, the idea being that it, the Germans wouldn't be able to say thunder, their accent would come through and then oh. you would know to jump out. I, see, I, ne- I never made that connection. I thought it was just a code word that, you know, like a, a, a challenge, you know, halt you know state your name or we you know your business type thing and it but in the middle of combat you're going to be like hey i want to make sure that this is somebody that, that's an american and that's what they came up with i never made that connection now that they must have been yeah. something that was you know those particular words um it must have been what they used because th- that carries over to band of brothers i i think i remember that happening in that as well it's, it's just like i mean obviously you know if, if you were in a different theater then it would depend on the language wouldn't it like you you find the words that would be hard for non-English speakers to say. Yeah. Um, and that is obviously what Thunder of Flash is. Um, and it's weird as well because obviously in the film they never explain it. Uh, but you <laughs> kind of get what it is. You kind of yeah. get there's this call and response. And if they don't get a response, then that's when they, they start kind of getting angry. Um, which is what they do to this family of French people. <laughs> they're yeah. like, um, they won't respond. And so they're like, they're telling uh, Upham, like, get them to respond. Like, say, like you know speak french like get these french people to understand what the situation is like they're in this kind of blown out building they're kind of you know the the whole wall is gone and there's these kind of three kids and this kind of these these kind of parents and they're just like like tell them like if they don't respond we're going to start shooting at them (laughs) so yeah you know get a response um and so obviously they do and then you know vin diesel being the big softy that he is um he it's all about family (laughs) also is like yeah, I was gonna say, as we it know, is. everything. Yeah, Diesel will put family <laughs> first every time. Every time. I mean, we saw yeah. what he did for his own kid in Fast Nine, so we know he's putting family. Yep. So he puts family first. He he goes to get the the girl uh, from this family, and unfortunately, uh, this leads to a sniper taking him out. And I do. I mean, here's what I'll say about Vin Diesel, and I love the Fast and Furious films. Um, I've seen, I mean, I've seen number four, I've seen them all at the cinema. I saw number one in the cinema. I missed number two and three, uh, which I regret to this day uh, because I would like to have seen all of them in the cinema. In this role, he's kind of like a bit gruff 
and kind of i mean he's still so young i mean you know he got the part because he like wrote directed edited starred in a film and steven spielberg saw it and was like he wrote the part for him like this he wasn't in the first script like this it was only after a few rewrites and when they cast him they were like you know they wrote the part specifically for him um you know so yeah that's how that's like that's how that's how big steven spielberg thought vin diesel would be and he was correct on that uh obviously vin diesel is huge um, I like the kind of like he gets shot and he kind of falls against this piano and kind of hits a couple of keys and then he tries to stand back up and then he like obviously where he's been hit it's it's like he's not going to be able to make it um, and this will then of course start the um, the chain letter thing going on where he's written a letter and as he's lying on the floor and he's you can we can see he's like kind of bleeding out um, you know obviously Jackson is trying to figure out where the sniper is um, and he obviously looks at this tower and he's like well if I was a sniper. That's where I would be. I'd be up there. Um, like that's the best place to take people out. Um, so he's trying to find the sniper so he can kind of kill the sniper so they can kind of go out and retrieve him and you know so uh, Wade can go out. And I like that. Obviously, you know, um, he like Capasso tries to kind of. He's like, oh, he's going to try and get up. And I like the Wade is like, no, stay where you are. Like, yeah, we're going to clear it and we'll come to you. Don't you don't move. Don't make things worse. And, you know, I think that kind of shows, like, a little bit of their friendship. Like, you know, there's obviously something between Wade and Carpazzo. They're obviously friends. And, you know, he's he, as the medic, he's saying to him, stay where you are. But it also feels like, as a friend, he's saying, don't move. There's a, there's a sniper out there that just shot you and might try and kill you. So, you know, stay where you are. Uh, you know, we will come to you and we will, we will help you. Um, and then, you know... Uh, Jackson pulls off uh, what I believe some people call an impossible shot because he basically shoots the sniper through the scope and like shoots his eye out. Oh, so awesome. And... I don't care. This is a movie. <laughs> Movies oh, don't yeah. have to be realistic. I want something no. cool like that to show how yeah. good he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great scene. <laughs> this is why I love the movie Enemy at the Gates, too. Like, I swear the makers of that movie were like, they saw these Jackson oh, yeah. scenes and were like, we need to do a sniper movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I saw that in cinema as well, Enemy at the Gates, a couple of years later. Yeah, it was a... Uh... In fact, I, I think I might I might have seen Enemy of the Gates in 15 minutes, like the same day, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and ironically, the movie Sniper looked at this, didn't even watch this movie. They were just like, we're going to make a totally different kind of movie. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I yeah, I, I mean, I love this kill shot. Obviously, it's the satisfaction of knowing that the person who killed Capazzo is dead. Like, that's what we want as an audience. Um, I thought there was some nice stuff from his point of view as well. Like, the, from the, uh, when I say nice, I mean, I'm talking about a Nazi sniper. Um but, but when they go to his point of view and they kind of have this kind of the slow breathing and he's obviously trying to we see his scope and we can see what he's aiming at. And, you know, it's like a really good shot because it's you, you're thinking, oh, no, he's going to kill Carpazzo. But obviously he can see that Carpazzo is talking to someone. So then he's looking for his next target effectively. Um, and, you know, none of that's kind of telegraphed. It's just literally on. It's just a little bit of the moving of the gun. And it's like, oh, he's he's already shot that guy. He's not going to finish him off. He's just going to leave him there. He's trying to find his next target. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously that's when his his eye gets shot out, um, and he dies. Uh, and everyone cheers because. Hooray. And then obviously the little girl goes back to her father and starts smacking him in the face. <laughs> yeah. I always love that part. Like, how dare you send me with these strangers? <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I find I find that that, that kind of funny. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, and then obviously they're looking around the village. Um, uh, you know they they they're trying to find uh, Ryan, obviously, uh, and they've heard that um, his captain is Captain Hamill, I think it is Hamill, yeah, um, for the hundred and first. 
Yeah, and so they're kind of trying to find him. Paul Giamatti is like, he's around here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, now we've got rid of the sniper, we can kind of look around the village a bit more. Um, and we get this, I, I mean, this scene is kind of really weird where everybody, they kind of go into this building and then like, I, 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 is it like a wall? Something kind of comes down. And Yeah, it's uh, oh, Paul, yeah, Paul. Yeah, the outside of a, yeah. yeah. Paul Giamatti like sits down. <laughs> Against like a yeah. and then hits a yeah. beam into a wall. Exact. This is why I'd be the Paul Giamatti. This would totally be something I'd do, <laughs> and then I'd be just shot dead. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've, I've I've got to rest my ankles, but if I get shot by the Nazis, who cares? Um. Yeah. And so obviously this wall falls down, and there's like a whole bunch of Nazis. There's a lot of yelling, a lot of yelling backwards and forwards between everybody. Um. And it pl- it plays different than Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where they inadvertently came across a bunch of Nazis in it, you know, doing stuff. And that was more like, "Hey, why, hi, you know." Shh. <laughs> and then this is like, it goes like right from, "Hey, here's a little comedy bit," to like you said, yelling, screaming, very intense yeah. scene. Actually, you're like, "Who's gonna, who's gonna back down first? Who's gonna shoot first? What's gonna happen?" And it, it's tense for a few minutes, or well, it seems like a few what- minutes. Well, I think what's funny is, of course, through all this, um, you know, Upham is trying to kind of speak in German and trying to calm the situation. But obviously, it's completely ineffective because you just have like six or seven Nazis like with their guns up and you have everybody else with their guns up and they're all yelling and screaming. And who comes in to save us but uh, Tom Sizemore and Ted Danson. Ted Danson! Uh, They both kind of like just machine gun all the Nazis down. Uh, And I like how one is left sitting. And then they go over to him and they kind of push him and this like spurt of blood shoots out as his body falls over. <laughs> um, and you're like, yes, I killed the Nazis. Like, I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> like, yep. I'm not sure why they didn't shoot him straight away, but uh, yeah. So we have Ted Danson. Um, he is the captain of like, uh, you know, the kind of everybody that's in this, um, you know, in this in this village. Um, and, you know, they talk to him and they're like, do you know where uh, where Ryan is? Uh, and he's like, yeah, well, we've got ourselves a private Ryan. And they're like, private James Ryan? And they're like, yeah, we've got private James Ryan. <laughs> and then they call over private James Ryan. Um, and as a viewer, obviously, you've seen the poster and you know that uh, <laughs> that's not that's not our Ryan. Uh, but I like I mean, it's Nathan Fillion. Um, you know, TV is Nathan Fillion. Uh, which kind of should have been just, considered best supporting actor in this movie, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I love is I, I, yeah, I mean, I love his performance because you know we are, you're not expecting to get this invested in a guy who is the wrong Ryan. Like they kind of they come in and they're like you know, um, like your brothers are all dead. And, you know, sorry, we have to tell you. And I mean, what's funny is like, this is only like the second film that Nathan Fillion was in. Like he'd done like a a kind of an an indie film a few years before this. But like, this is basically his kind of his big, like his first big role. Um, And I kind of like that. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, it, it goes off the rails pretty quick where he's like crying about the fact that his brothers are dead. And they're like, you're, you know, you, you kind of, um, you know, this is the end of the war for you. You're going home. And then he's like, how did it happen? And then like, well, one of them died on Omaha Beach. And he's like, what? Like, yeah. because obviously his brother is like 14 or something. Yeah. They're in so grammar how school. Did that happen? <laughs> They're in grade um, school. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah. 
But I, I like the I like the parties. Are you sure? Like, what about my brother? I better go home and check. <laughs> Are you sure they're okay? <laughs> they're like, nope, nope, nope. It's your wrong guy. Oh, I better go check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, and I what I love as well is how obviously Tom Hanks, uh, you know, being a great actor, being Oscar nominated for this role, I think um, he is like, like he's he's kind of he's he's there with him. Until the moment he realizes the wrong Ryan, and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm sure your brothers are fine." <laughs> he just kind of like walks away. He's like, "He's like, yeah, sure, yeah, no, like, yeah, I'm sure, like, there's no, you, you, they're kids, they're probably fine, like, don't worry about it." <laughs> like he just, he kind of completely dismisses like everything that they've just put this guy from Minnesota through, <laughs> um, like for the last five minutes, and he's like, "Nah, wrong Ryan, let's get going." <laughs> like, um, and I just kind of love that. I, I just I love how dismissive he instantly is of this of this wrong Ryan, um, and it and it's and it's funny because this is like I don't know like an hour into the film, so I guess as a viewer you kind of know this can't be the correct Ryan, right? Um, but you know I, I, it kind of works because it's like obviously it's it's just kind of showing how difficult it's going to be for them to find the correct Ryan, like. You know, they stumbled across one Ryan. There was one Ryan dead on the beach. Like, you know. Pretty popular name. It's going to be a common name. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love that. It's uh, yeah, it's a great moment. Um, and then, you know, uh, because this film spent 11 million on the opening scene, uh, they've now got to slow things down a little bit and maybe have some scenes where they don't spend so much money and they just sit in a church and just talk for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe just kind of stop burning through all the cash, Stephen. Like, let's <laughs> let's focus on some of the other characters, maybe. And I do love this kind of like almost like kind of get to know, get to know the kind of troops. You know, obviously we've lost, um, you know, Vin Diesel, uh, but there's still six other guys. And uh, you know, I like that kind of Miller is talking with Horvath. He's kind of talking in a way that he doesn't talk with the rest of the guys. Like he's kind of a bit more informal, and he's kind of confiding in him a bit more. And you know, they're just kind of. Just I, I don't know. I just love the scene like this, and the kind of the next scene where you've got all the different guys, and they're all kind of talking about how one of them's fallen asleep, hasn't it? Is it Ryben that's fallen asleep? One of them's fallen asleep, and they're like, "Jackson, oh, he just, he's sleep anywhere." Jackson, yeah. and yeah. and I just kind of like the kind of small talk, like just the just the guys kind of getting to know each other, and obviously because Upham is like the outsider, um, you know, they're kind of sharing stories with him and kind of talking to him about, you know, kind of the stuff that they've done, and you know, just basically kind of trying to. Uh, you know, pass the time before, obviously, you know, they have to, you know, I think it's interesting because obviously they know that the next morning they're going to have to, they, they've got to find Ryan again. Like, you know, they found a Ryan, but not the Ryan. So, you know, it's nice that we kind of pause just before they all start back out. And, you know, we kind of, um, I would say actually from that point on things, you know, it's like things are going to get serious. Like this is, this is kind of like the last kind of quiet moment in the film where, we get to see the guys kind of just being a bit more relaxed. Yeah, there's a bit of a tearful uh, uh, scene with uh, Wade. And I thought that was kind of weird. He he decided to share about like falling asleep, how easy it is to fall asleep if you're trying not to fall asleep, which I think <laughs> I think works a lot for me myself. But then he starts talking like really kind of like oversharing about like how his mom came home and when she'd come home, he'd pretend to be asleep. And it it, it kind of like, you know, upsets him because I think he's thinking about you know, that's time with my mother. I could have I could have spent. And now I'm in the, in the middle of hell. Now I might not ever see her again. So, 
It was, it, was, it was a nice little quiet moment. It's interesting because obviously, like Adam Goldberg, I think when they're on the beach, he kind of he's he kind of get, is so shocked that at one point he's just sitting there crying on the beach and trying to kind of hide from people. And then obviously Giovanni Ribisi here, he kind of like starts crying. And this this will become a kind of common thing. Like as we go on, kind of each of the guys, you know, who are kind of putting up a bit of a front, they will eventually have a moment where <laughs> they kind of just cry and break, break down. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of refreshing to see, you know, like these guys who, you know, expected to kind of, you know, they're just basically like, here, you're in France, go and kill a bunch of Germans. Like th- there's no way that can't affect them. And I, I like that, like, you know, it, it, it kind of catches up to each of them. Also, I feel like Giovanni Ribisi telling that story is kind of setting up what's going to happen in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, you know, if you've seen these types of films, it's kind of a bit obvious when somebody starts kind of like, you know, talking about their gal back home or whatever, yeah. you know, and it's kind of funny that he's talking about his mom and, you know, we'll get to it in a bit, but yeah. Um, as they go on, they get to a camp where they meet uh, indie darling, uh, Leland Orsa, um, <laughs> who I think... Before this, I had seen him in Seven. That was the last thing I think I'd seen him in. Um, you know, where he he's the victim. He's not the victim. He's the guy who murders somebody with a an attachment, uh, let's say. Um, and he was also in The Bone Collector, I think, after this, directly after this. Um, and Very Bad Things. I think I saw him in both of those as well. Um, yeah. And he was also things. in Alien. He was also in Alien Resurrection. In 1997, so like the year before that, yeah. So he'd, you know, he'd been in a few things. Um, you know, he'd had a lot of kind of like TV roles and stuff like that. Um, he's in Independence Day, uh, you know, uh, and Excess Baggage with uh, Alyssa Silverstone, which uh, it's an okay film. Um, but yeah, you know, this is kind of probably the aside from Independence Day, this is probably the biggest film he's been in. Like, um, you know, uh, most recently he was in Taken. And Taken 2 and Taken 3 as, like, one of Liam Neeson's buddies, which is always a weird thing to see uh, Leland also kind of pop up there. Uh, and he's also in confidence with Ed Burns. So, um, and Pearl Harbor as well. So, yeah. I believe this is uh, the uh, least jittery performance in Le- Leland Orser's career. He's always jittery guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, yeah. an alien resurrection, yeah. he, he of course gets implanted with an alien because it's Leland Orser. You, know? <laughs> you got to see uh, an alien burst from Leland Orser's chest. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's like, he here he's kind of, I don't know. It's really weird. Cause like, he's obviously the guy who was like flying, like the, the plane that was too heavy. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that Robert Robert wrote probably found this kind of some re- research somewhere where they obviously they would armor up some of the planes when they had important people on and they ended up being too heavy and they crashed. Of one of them. So it feels like this is a piece of research kind of put onto the screen um, where we see that the important person he was transporting has been shot in the head. Yeah. And so all that effort <laughs> to, to shield them from below and he ended up getting shot in the head anyway. Um, that seems realistic for for real just it's just the, just the way the military would probably do something and then the irony that comes from doing it you know <laughs> yeah um so yeah i mean you know around the camp they they you know obviously uh wade uh being a medic you know he starts trying to treat people um and you know they start checking dog tags and again i think this like this dog tag scene like it starts off being something practical where obviously they want to see if they can find Ryan's dog tags, you know, just to make sure he isn't dead. 
and then it kind of takes a turn into some kind of like dark humor where they they're kind of like making fun of some of the kind of the i don't know like they see they see one with like a bullet in and they obviously seem to be treating the dog tags like so casually and then you know this kind of sets off wade who obviously like kind of comes over and like kind of starts you know making it clear that like these guys who are walking past like they might know some of these people like it's yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're making fun of the names a lot of the times too, and and they're almost yeah. treating them like poker chips. Like, what do you got over there? What do you got? And <laughs> even even Tom Hanks starts chuckling a little bit at what's going on, and you know, yeah. I think he knows it's wrong, but he kind of got caught up into it too. And and honestly, <laughs> this is another realistic scene to me. I think because people, you know, often laugh in the face. You know, like it's like laughing at a funeral type thing. You're you're. You're in, it's callous humor um, to help you cope with something that's not great, you know? I mean, I'd also say, obviously, each one of those dog tags, like, is is a person that's died. And, um, you know, the way they're treating them seems to kind of minimize that. Uh, and obviously, that's why Wade is like, you know, put them away. Like, <laughs> you know, right. all, these, all these troops are walking past and yeah. watching you do this, you know, stop doing it and just kind of, you know. You're not going to find his dog tags. He's not dead. He's alive. So just stop it now. And they linger on those guys looking at him too. And you can tell they start to feel bad yeah. about it. And of course, this is where we get to meet uh, Ryan Hurst playing paratrooper Mandelson. Uh, Ryan Hurst will work with Tom Hanks later on. This is the first time he's working with Tom Hanks here. Um, he uh, was in Remember the Titans like three years after this, uh, where he ended up playing a guy who got paralyzed. Um, so spoiler alert for Remember the Titans. Um, but I do love this uh, this kind of interaction. Um, you know, I, it's funny because, like, John Miller gets very frustrated and he's just like, why don't we just wander around the woods and just yell out Ryan's name and see if anybody knows? Um, and that's what they do. And then, obviously, some of the people who are walking along, they're like, oh, do you mean James Ryan? <laughs> and then, like, it works, kind of. Um, you know, Tom's just randomly yelling and he actually finds somebody who does know him um and you know we kind of get this uh, we get this kind of comical interaction where um you know uh, ryan hurst is like deaf and so (laughs) so his character is like yelling at the top of his lungs and tom hanks is having he's like can somebody get me a piece of paper so i can just write stuff down And then, you know, because he's like, oh, do you know James Ryan? He's like, James Ryan? Like yelling at the top of his lungs. and it's, uh, it's, <laughs> That's so that's funny. That's a funny scene. Yeah. I didn't even recognize yeah. that that was Ryan Hurst. I'm used to him from Sons of Anarchy with a big old bushy beard. And yeah. I remember yep. seeing that and going, who is that deaf guy? I, I, I'd recognize him. But yeah, Ryan Hurst. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's funny because, you know... Um, I don't want to like peek too far behind the curtain here, but uh, I've already recorded the episode for the Lady Killers, and he's in the Lady Killers <laughs> with Tom Hanks. Um, so that's it's kind of weird because I remember I remember him being in Remember the Titans because uh, he's like one of the main two characters. Like he's the he's the like racist student who becomes less racist as the film goes on. Um, after two schools are forced to integrate, and you know Denzel Washington is put in charge and everything. Um, and I mean after this, he, like after that, he also did We Were Soldiers. Um, so you know he's done like a couple of like military things, uh, but his film debut was The Postman, like the year before this. Um, so that's a rough way to start things. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, he, like you say, yeah, he's been he was in Sons of Anarchy for like, 
four years. So I guess that's where most people these days would know him from. And then he kind of moved on to being to uh, Walking Dead. Um, you know, so staying staying on uh, on AMC there. 